If you'll turn there with me, I want to encourage you uh, this morning just to be in prayer about this upcoming uh, revival. I'm excited. I believe God wants to do something in our midst, and uh, I think he wants to use this church, you folks, uh, to get there. Next Sunday, I want to let you know that uh, Brother Knickerbocker is going to be with us all day long. So Brother Dan's going to be here. So he's going to do Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. So I want to encourage you to be here for that. And of course, I mentioned the revival. And then we also, and I know this is important to the ladies, we've got the Minster Garage Sale, April 26th through the 28th. I know that that is important. So I just wanted to get that out there to you. And then, of course, our missions conference is going to be in May. That'll be May 2nd through the 6th. I'm excited. Uh, Brother Edwards is a friend of mine. He's out of uh, Heritage Baptist Church in Woodbridge. Bridge, Virginia. Uh, Brother Edwards uh, has just been a blessing to me through the years, and uh, he helped us when we were trying to get our building up in Colonial Beach, and uh, just an amazing gentleman. Uh, and of course, he's retired now. Brother Almsbaugh has taken that position there, and, and uh, uh, Brother Edwards' desire is to go out and help churches, and uh, so I appreciate him coming. And so just stay tuned for all of that, and uh, just keep in prayer about those things. I want you to turn to Philippians. Paul writing a letter to the church at Philippi here, and uh, he's encouraging them in a particular area. Now, uh, listen, you don't want to miss tonight. You don't want to miss tonight's service. I want to encourage you to, to be here this evening as well. This is kind of a two-part message. We're going to talk about living for Christ this morning, and then this evening we're going to talk about growing in Christ. And so they're both coming out of this uh, particular set of passages, and I want to encourage you to be here. Uh, Dr. Lee Robertson used to always say, it takes three to thrive. If you want to thrive in your Christian life, it takes three services to get that done. And uh, he said, you need to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And uh, I encourage you to take four and get here for four because we need to be here for Sunday school as well. It's a good time to be in the house of the Lord, a good time of fellowship, but also uh, getting a little bit more in depth in the scripture. So I want to encourage you, if you're not coming to Sunday school, I want to start encouraging you to be here for it. And then uh, be here for Sunday morning, uh, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening services. I want to encourage you in that as well. Uh, Paul here, he's talking about being an example as a Christian. And the church at Philippi, he was writing to them and encouraging them in their life in Christ. Uh, I want to talk to you for a few minutes before we get into the message. A couple of things that you'll find out as we go through the message this morning. One of the biggest struggles in the Christian life is too many of us live in the past. And we spend too much time thinking about what's gone by rather than what's happening now. And uh, when you spend too much time in the past, it's not something you can change. And we'll get into this in just a moment. But I want to encourage you to start looking at what God's doing now. What is God doing today? What is going on now that God's trying to do in your life and your family's life and in the future of your life and in the future of the church? So don't get stuck in the past, and, uh, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I really want to encourage you, if you're saved, we really need to let Christ possess us. We need to let him have possession, amen? And, and if he has possession, things begin to change. Your thinking changes, your attitude changes, your spirit changes. Listen, Christ can do a lot of things. In fact, he tells us when we get saved, we're now a new creature in Christ, amen? The other thing is, is looking toward the future. Uh, it, when, when I think about it, someone and uh, we were working over at Brother Martin's. And by the way, I want to say thank you to all that helped yesterday. Uh, Brother Martin got most of the drywall up and uh, got a lot of stuff done over there yesterday, so thank you to all those that came over and gave 
a helping hand over there. There's about 18 men over there yesterday just working and putting that drywall up and getting that thing done. And so I'm grateful for all of those from uh, Calvary that participated in that. So thank you for that. But uh, just think about this. Looking toward the future, uh, when we start talking about looking toward the future, it's not about that I got my mind on it so much that I can't live in the present. But looking toward the future is, as I was talking to Brother Larry, uh, this is Brother Lee. His dad and we were up and we we're kind of in a confined space doing some work and and, and we got to talking and uh, he said you know he said I think about it every day he says I think about it. I wonder when the rapture is going to occur and so we we're up there and here we're on the job you know and we're talking about the rapture and uh, he said you know every day I wake up I pray even so come Lord Jesus amen he is coming isn't he <laughs> and, and the exciting thing is is that's what we're looking toward the future Amen. It is a life of eternity in heaven. If you're saved this morning, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Heaven is your home. You're not jockeying to get there. You don't have to do more good works to obtain it. You don't have to do anything to get into heaven. Listen, if you've trusted Christ as the Savior, praise God, heaven is your home. Amen. You're not trying to do something to impress God. By the way, it wouldn't. Amen. You can't do anything to impress him and say, well, you're getting in because you're pretty impressive. Uh, not going to happen. The only thing that impressed God was the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Christ. So if you're not saved, you need to get saved. Hey, today's the day of salvation. If you are saved, hey, let's start talking about living for Christ. Amen? And maybe you're at that place in your Christian life that you've been doing this so long that you just think, well, I've been through it all. I know it all. I've got it all down. I just kind of go through it, and it's kind of mundane to me. And I, I know what the Bible says. I know what Jesus says. Hey, listen, that's a horrible way to live as a Christian. You ought to be excited every day that Christ has given you another day to serve him. Amen? Amen? We ought to start getting excited about who he is. As we go into Philippians, I want you to look at this. Let's all stand and honor the reading of the word of God. We're going to begin in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 11, and we're going to work on through verse 14. So if you'll turn there with me, verse 11 says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, living for Christ is not about accomplishing it all on our own. It's not about us getting it all done. Nor is it about turning it all over to God and sitting back and doing nothing. <laughs> it is a there is a balance to this. And that is, is that I'm allowing Christ to work through me that I achieve his goals for the day, or that I achieve what God wants me to do in this life. I believe it's a process of living for Christ, and Paul defines the Christian life as a race to run. And I know I don't look like it now, but I used to run track when I was in high school. And the thing of it is, is we had to really practice Practice, practice, practice. And we were at, I, I, I thought, man, we practiced so much that whenever you got to the race, you didn't feel like doing it anymore because you had practiced so much. And we used to have runner's blocks, and they would teach you how to stand in those and how to, how to get an edge on the, the guy beside you and how to do all these things. And we would run stairs, and we'd run laps, and we'd run suicides. We'd run, I, I, we would run and run and run and run and run. And I thought, by the time we get to the race, I don't even feel like doing this. But the thing of it was, practice started to make you better. It helped you to think a little bit about what you were doing. And all those little things that those coaches would say to you, they kept coaching you and coaching you and coaching you and coaching you. And all of a sudden, you realize this is all working together. Do you know the Christian life, we 
need some practice. Amen? We've got to practice every day what the Scriptures teach. And if you think about it, God the Holy Spirit is our coach. Amen? And we've got to be in the Scriptures. We've got to know what the coach is saying. And we've got to allow him to affect us. And we've got to do those things as we're running this race. When I think about running this race, there is a prize to attain. Now, here's the thing. You, you're pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's not that I might gain it for myself. In this particular case, it's about what I am doing that it might benefit the kingdom of God. Not necessarily benefit myself, though, although I am benefited by it. Amen. But the fact is, is that I benefit from it, and it's for the kingdom of God. So here's the challenge to us this morning. Am I remaining in the race and living for Christ? Are you really in the race, or are you just kind of chugging along? You're just kind of meandering in life, and you don't really even know what the Christian life is all about. And the reality is, is that there are people who sit in churches like this each and every Sunday that have sat in here maybe been 20, 30, 40 years and really don't, don't have a hold of who Christ really is. And I want to challenge you this morning to get to know him better. I want to challenge you in your hearts as we go through a message just like this one. Think about the things that Paul was challenging this church in. And I challenge us as a church this morning, where is your mind? You know, a lot of times we come to a service and we check out. We just check out. And we're here, we're present, we're in a room, but we just check out. And, and we're not really engaged, we're not really thinking about what's being said, we're not really thinking about what's being preached, we're not really asking God to do anything anymore. I, I just want my box checked, I'm here. <laughs> and the reality is there's more to it than that, isn't there? There's a whole lot more to it than that. When we consider this, I want you to think about this. Three steps that you've got to take to remain in the race. That's letting Christ have possession of you. And I want to ask you this, you say, well... He does. I, I, I'm saved. I, I'm talking about really allowing him to possess you, to, to really allow you to do some things for Christ. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Be ye not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the what? Spirit of God. God wants us to be filled. Now, it's not you getting more. It's you dying to self and giving more to God. It's you willingly turning yourself over to him and saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? Let him really have possession of you. And the second thought is this, letting go of the past. There are so many that maybe are even sitting in this room today that live so much in the past, they cannot live for Christ. They are a, almost a useless vessel because they're so busy thinking about the past or what has happened that they can't live in the present and do anything for God. They're stifled, they're stymied, they're stuck. <laughs> and they're not willing to move forward because they're just living in the past. And then look toward the future, not in the sense this way, not in the sense that I'm looking out there and that's the only thing I have on my mind, but looking toward the future knowing that Christ is coming again, amen? amen. And whether I be on this planet or in the ground on this planet, I know this for sure. If I am saved, he's going to come get me, amen? And I'll either meet him in the clouds in the air or I'll be in the ground and I'll get to go before you do, Amen. And the thing of it is, I know that's a reality. I know it's real. Paul is trying to encourage these folks in this way and in this manner. And I think this first step is so important of really allowing Christ to possess you. Look at verse 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. You know, part of this race is making sure that I do not permit myself to be satisfied. So many of us maybe even get to that place of complacency. 
that I'm just satisfied with my spiritual accomplishment. Pastor, if I just had a list and I uh, let you read it, you would just crown me and give me medals because I have accomplished so much spiritually. I want to tell you, you need to move out of that arena. You need to move away from that and say, Lord, what would you have me to do today? Sometimes I think we look at our spiritual accomplishments and we're satisfied. But listen, our satisfaction shouldn't be in our spiritual accomplishments. Our satisfaction needs to be in Christ Jesus. It's not what we've done. It's what he's doing. And he's still active today, by the way. He's still winning souls. He's still interested in you as a person. He's still interested in your spiritual growth. Well, I'm this old now. It doesn't matter what your age is. God's still working on you. I promise you that. And when I look at this, don't get satisfied with your spiritual accomplishments. Get satisfied with Christ. I think Christians can become self-satisfied. And here's what we do. We'll start comparing ourselves to someone else that's running a race. And we'll start comparing ourselves with someone that ain't making much progress anyway. (laughs) And boy, what a spiritual uh, uh, faux pas that is for us to get to the place where I'm comparing myself with someone else and they're not making much spiritual progress. What I need to do is turn to the scriptures and compare myself to what God says I need to be. Not to what someone else is doing, but who he desires for me to be. And I abound in that. And I think sometimes we get to that place where we're running the race and we're trying to run against others and we're not making much progress. We need to compare ourselves with Christ. And I think that's evident. And this is what Paul is trying to teach us. Stop comparing yourselves among yourselves and start comparing yourself to God. Amen. Look at yourself in light of scriptures. When you hold up the Bible, how do you compare to who Christ is? And you say to yourself, I have room for improvement if I start looking at Christ. Amen. And by the way, there's not a single solitary person in here who doesn't have some room for improvement. Amen. And it includes the guy standing up here preaching to you. There's always room for improvement in my Christian life. As I think about this, we need to compare ourselves with Christ. The mature Christian, I think, evaluates himself and he strives to do better. And I think Paul realized he was not perfect, but recognizing that a mark of maturity is knowing that you're not perfect. That is a mark of maturity in your Christian life, knowing that you're not perfect. Now, the word perfect in the scriptures means complete. And and what it is, is we are not complete. If we're here, we're not complete. When you get to heaven, things are good, trust me. I promise you, you're complete at that point, that, that everything's taken care of at that point. But while you're here, God's doing something in your life. Now, am I conscious of my Savior so much so that I recognize that he's still working on me? That he's trying to do something in my life. That he's working in And the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain.
Amen? And he's not speaking to a building. He's speaking to people who attended the churches. And he's saying, I know you think you've gotten this thing down. You think you've arrived, and I know you think you're on board with this thing. And he says in verse 2, he said, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to do something. What are they ready to do? They're ready to die. And he says, For I have not found thy works perfect before God. You are not complete in what you need to be doing. Now he said that to the church in Sardis. Now I want you to look at this other church that he's speaking to. Look at uh, verse uh, 17. Verse 17 of chapter 3. He says, Because thou sayest, uh, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. He said uh, here to the church at Laodicea, he goes, hey, listen, you guys got a problem. You guys got a problem. And you think because you've increased in riches and goods. Hey, I want to tell you, America is starting to feel really good right now. Stock market's going up, right? Bond rates are doing better. People are being able to buy houses again. Jobs are becoming available. What can happen to us as a nation again? We can get pretty high-minded, can't we? We're going to build up our military. We're going to do all these things. And all of a sudden, a collapse comes again. Then where are we? You know, it's in these times that people begin to trust less and less in God and more and more in the government. And listen, I love conservatism, amen? I'm all for it. And I love the things that are happening, but here's the thing. Don't fall in love with it. Don't fall in love with that and forget God. And what happens is, as we come to the place, and you look here, what did he, what did he reprimand them for? He said, uh, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. I got it, Lord. I don't need you anymore. <laughs> we got it going on. Hey, listen, bills are paid, tanks full, tires are new, fridge is full. Hey, listen, money in the bank, bank account's doing well. Hey, hey Lord, we, we really don't need you now. We got it. Go on and find someone else to take care of. <laughs> And the reality is, is we need him, don't we? We probably need him more now than we did three years ago. Because the fact is, is we can get high-minded as a nation, can't we? And we can think we got it together. And all these good things are starting to happen again. And so we lose sight of who God is. I want you to turn back to chapter 2 and verse 9. Let's look at this church. Chapter 2 and verse 9. He says in verse 9 of chapter 2 in Revelation, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Here's the thing. Tribulation's going to come. What kind of church are we going to be when the tribulation comes? Will we be found faithful in the trying times? In the hard times, are you going to be found faithful as an individual? Now listen, when he's speaking, he's not talking to a building. He's speaking to a people and he's saying, listen, I want to remind you, you need me. You need me to possess you. 
And, and listen, that possession is not just about salvation. It is about what we're living like day to day. Because we can lose sight quickly. Things can go well, and we can lose sight of God. Things can go bad, and we can lose sight of God. We can think we got it covered because we're doing everything right, and we can lose sight of God. Amen? God says, whether on the mountaintop or in the valley, listen, we need to walk with Christ. And he needs to possess us. Now, the challenge is self-evaluation. And, and, and sometimes self-evaluation can be dangerous, but here's the thing. When we do self-evaluation, sometimes we make ourselves better than we are. <laughs> I was a better football player. Just ask me when I was in high school. I was great at track. I, I, was, I was horrible at it. I just did it. I, was I wasn't fast. I just wanted to get out of school. Don't tell the young people that. I wasn't good at it at all. I just wanted to do it. Now, I like to wrestle, and I did well in wrestling, but my most embarrassing moment came in wrestling when I had to go and wrestle my cousin at, at the States, and he pinned me in less than three seconds. What? And I had to sit there the rest of the day and watch everybody else wrestle while I was like, man, what am I going to do now? And it was a long day. And the thing of it is is that sometimes we try to make ourselves better than we are. Anybody with me? Amen. You say amen to that because I know we do it. And we were better than we were. Or we get to the place where we're just, oh, man, we're so bad off. It's just we're, we're at the, nobody, listen to me, nobody, nobody knows where we are. Nobody's ever been there. And we try to make ourselves worse off. Self-evaluation is not for that. What I want to challenge you with is not self-evaluation, but let's do a biblical evaluation of ourselves. Amen? Hey, listen, uh, uh, we need to get into, this, uh, into the Bible, and, and the Bible teaches us that we need to examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith. <laughs> examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Go read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and look at verse 5. A and you look at that, it says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Know ye not your own selves how that we're reprobates, lest Christ Jesus be in us? And by the way, Christians can live like reprobates sometimes. <laughs> And we need to examine ourselves according to the scriptures, not according to someone else running the race that's maybe not even making progress. Does Christ really have possession of you? Does Christ really have possession of you? Does Christ really have possession of you and your life? The things in your life, the things that you say, the things that you do, your attitude, your spirit, your actions, does Christ have possession of you? When you have divine dissatisfaction, and I believe that comes, I look at Paul, and he didn't fall under any illusion about himself. He said, I'm pressing forward in order that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. In other words, when you think about being apprehended, if the police were to apprehend me, what's happening to me? They've come up on me. They've got me, right? And he says that I want to be apprehended of Christ Jesus. I want Christ to have me. I want him to have all of me. I want him to have hold of what's going on. And you look at this, when you have that divine dissatisfaction for your spiritual progress, I think that's when the Lord can possess you even more. When you say, you know what, I'm not where I need to be as a Christian. There are things that I need to know, and I need to know my Christ better. And I really want him to possess my life. Now, here's the challenge to us. Uh, Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the heart panteth after the water's brook, so panteth my soul after thee. O God, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, I want to ask you something. Have you ever really been thirsty? Anybody in here ever really gotten to the place, man, I just got to have a glass of water? And you don't want soda. <laughs> you don't want sweet tea. You want a glass of what? Water. I remember we were out one day, and, and uh, we had field and track day at school. 
And I was just a little guy. I think we were like in fourth, fifth grade, something like that. And it was really hot outside. And so as we have our field and track day, we're all doing all these events and activities. And I mean, I'm just burning up at this point. And, and they brought a card out. And, and, and how many of you remember when Coke bottles were glass? Huh? And, and they had these little ones about this big. So they brought the Coke bottles out. And they were ice cold. And I remember looking at that and I thought, I want a drink of water. I didn't want a Coke. You know what Coke does whenever you're that thirsty? How many of you get the gathering in the back of your throat and you feel the caramel sticking and you're like, good night, man. What is this? Yeah. And, and, and I just wanted a glass of water. I remember telling Mr. Maycuth, I said, Mr. Maycuth, I said, I need a glass of water. He goes, you can have a Coke just like everybody else. So I said, give mine to someone else. I need water. You know why? Because I was really thirsty. I didn't want soda. Soda wasn't going to quench my thirst. Now, I want to challenge you with something. So many of us are trying to quench our thirst with something in this world that's very satisfying. And what we need is Christ Amen. to satisfy that thirst. Amen. We need Jesus Christ to satisfy it. We think it's the car or the house or the clothes or the bank account or the stocks or the bonds or the retirement. We think it's going to be this or we think it's going to be that. And the reality is it never really brings the kind of satisfaction that you need. How many of you understand what I'm telling you right now? How many of you have been there and you think, I'm going to get satisfied out of this and it, doesn't, it just doesn't bring it? It does not bring the satisfaction that you thought it would. And by the way, even if it does, it's kind of fleeting, isn't it? How many of you know what I'm talking about there? You get it, and then it kind of, you know, it's kind of fleeting. I remember I wanted this Huffy bike so bad for Christmas one time. And Daddy brought me the Huffy bike, and I couldn't believe it, man. I was like, man, this is great. And I went out, and it was raining or it was snowing. I'd, I'd wipe it off, and I'd take it into the garage. And one day I was riding my bike, and I slid, and I ripped the seat on the back of it. And I was mad now. It got to the place after a while, that Huffy bike that I wanted so bad, I would drive that thing up in the driveway and jump off of it and watch it go. My dad saw me doing that. He goes, what are you doing? He said, you wanted that bike so bad. I said, it's all messed up. He said, I can see why. You're jumping off the bike and letting it run. Had to have it, didn't I? Going to bring all the satisfaction. All the boys in town had the Huffy bike. How many of you remember Huffy? Anybody remember Huffy? I'm talking, and you're like, yeah, I didn't have any idea what the guy's talking about. I had a Schwinn, <laughs> you know. And the thing of it is, is that it got to the place where now I was dissatisfied, wasn't I? And yet the satisfaction was fleeting, wasn't it? Now, here's the wonderful thing about Jesus Christ. He will not dissatisfy you. He'll bring you the satisfaction that you need. It, it, as a deer at the water's brook, right? Panthers. So, so thirst is my soul for God that way. I want to tell you, your thirst is not always a possession. It's who's possessing you. <laughs> Amen? It's who's got you, not so much what you obtain. And the thing of it is, is Christ wants to possess each and every one of us. And he wants to quench that thirst that we have in our life. And yet we want to satisfy it with something else. We think something else is going to do this. We think it's going to bring some sort of satisfaction. And it does not. The first step to remain in the race is, I want to challenge you to have a divine dissatisfaction with your life. And start asking God, God, how can I run the race and be more thoughtful about those things that are spiritual. Set your affections on things what? Above, not on things of the earth. Amen? Set your affections on things above. When is the last time, if you think about setting your affections on something, what's that doing? 
That's showing love and care for something, isn't it? It, it, it's showing something different. I'm setting my affections on. It means something to me, doesn't it? And so God says, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, reset your thinking. Let God have your heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He tells us in Psalm 51.10, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Listen, every person in here can pray that prayer, and I believe God would answer it for you. He will satisfy you. And I'm telling you, that thing that you're thirsting for, maybe you think it's a device or it's some uh, account that you're building up or it's your retirement account. I want to tell you, some of us may never even see our retirement account. And the thing of it is, is don't strive so hard for things that won't matter. Strive for those things that really count for eternity. Set your affections on things where? Above, not on things of the earth. Now think about it. Reset your heart. Well, you say, well, preacher, how do you reset your heart? (laughs) You're saying, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a what? Right spirit within me. Now, here's where the challenge is. How do I do that? Get alone with the Lord. Ask God to help you with that, that very thing. Lord, help me to refocus my thoughts. Help me, help me to change my thinking. And, and, and listen, God tells us that we need to renew our minds, does he not? He tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, and in verse 23, he says, Be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. We need to change our thinking sometimes. We, as Christians, even get so engrossed in this world that we think that this is what it's all about. And the reality is, is this is going to burn up, (laughs) is it not? It's going to go away. So how do you do it? Well, you pray. And you say, well, okay, so so I pray, Pastor. I, I prayed. How close are you to God in your reading? Are you spending any time in the Word at all? Is this the only time you ever hear God's Word being preached? Is this the only time you ever hear from the Word of God in a service just like this? Otherwise, I don't read my Bible. I don't really spend any time with God. Listen, I want to challenge you. Don't do that. If you really want God to possess your life, if you really want to have divine satisfaction, and you want to allow God to possess you, get alone with Him. I promise you He will satisfy you. Paul said right here, he says, but I follow after uh, if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. He wanted Christ to have him, didn't he? He wanted him to possess him. And I want to challenge you, take that necessary step to allow Christ to really possess your life. You say, when do I do that? Today. Now. Now's the time to do it. Well, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll get to that in 2019 or I'll get to that in the summer. No, now's the time to allow him to really get a hold of your life. I want you to think about this second idea. It's really the second is to let go of your past. How many of you have struggled with things that have happened in your past? And you allow it to come into the present and sometimes it even diverts my attention or it gets me off track or I'm so busy thinking about something that happened a while back or if I had or if I had done. And I believe this second step is one of the biggest hindrances to the Christian life and that is is that we live too much in the past. And as a Christian, I cannot live in the past. If Paul had lived in the past, I don't think he would have done in the present what he was doing for Christ at the time. Because Paul stood there and he held the cloaks of those that stoned Stephen to death. And I think even when he was writing this, he may have even had that in mind. He may have even had in mind all the things that he did as a Pharisee, as a Sadducee, or as a Pharisee in the Scriptures. You look at that and you think, maybe, just maybe, he was thinking those thoughts. Now, do I know that for sure? No. But I can tell you, he struggled with his past because he would have never told us this if it wasn't a problem for him. And he tells us this. He says uh, in verse 13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't gotten my arms around it. I haven't brought it into control. 
But he says this, but this one thing I do, and you ought to underline that in your Bible. There is one thing we ought to do as believers sometimes, and that is, is to forget what happened in the past. And you say, how do you do that? We're going to talk about that this morning. And I want you to see this. He says, uh, not, uh, uh, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So I believe the greatest deterrent to growing spiritually is allowing your past to interfere with your present. Allowing your past to interfere with your present. Sometimes we are so busy living in the past, we can't live in the present. I'll tell you, sometimes uh, reunions are good, but sometimes family reunions can get rough. Because sometimes family reunions, you get together and they want to talk about the past all the time. And sometimes they don't want to bring up the good stuff. They want to bring up the what? The bad stuff. Now, I love my family. Sometimes I don't want to be there. I just don't want to be in the midst of some of that stuff because they want to bring up the past. And you think about this. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Allowing the past to interfere with the present. And you know, when you do that, it will ultimately deter what you think about the future. It will. It'll mess you up. You'll even get to the place, maybe as a Christian, you'll start to doubt God's word and even doubt if he's coming back. You'll get to the place where you're not really thinking the way that you should. The past is often an interference. Now, I want to tell you something. Satan, the flesh, and the world want you to live in the past. (laughs) They want you to live there. That's where he wants you to kind of hang out because there you're not useful for God. There you're only thinking about what used to be or what happened. Now, remember I told you, we can live our lives one of two ways. It can always be greater than it was, or it can be worse than it was, right? Sometimes when we're thinking back, sometimes we think we were greater. I could have been like Ben Roethlisberger. I could have been a quarterback in the NFL. And you couldn't even make it at JV. You know what I'm saying? And and the idea is, is in your mind, you recall it that way, and you want to play that out in the past. Or it's worse than it was. Oh, man. If you only knew what had happened to me. If you only knew what we went through. You just have no idea, and you make it worse. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are what? Behind. Sometimes we're too busy hanging on to what used to be. And, and, and how many of you ever watched uh, VeggieTales? Anybody ever watch VeggieTales? Um, People have what they call the used to disease. Oh, Brother Dale, you look like you love VeggieTales. Uh, if you don't, I'm going to get them for you. I can give you a whole stack of DVDs of them. My kids aren't watching them anymore. You've got to watch them. They're awesome. And he talks about having the used to disease. I used to do this, and I used to do that. I used to be capable of this. I used to, used to, used to, used to. And, and so he sings a whole song about the used to disease. Because we used to be able to, or we used to have this, or we used to be. And the idea is, is they're so busy living in the past, they're not living in the present. Now, the world wants to limit you to that. Because it always wants you to make, make you feel like, how, how many of you realize this? Any ad you watch, anything you're watching, on t- you're always missing out, oh, yeah. right? If you don't get this, you're really missing out. I mean, if you don't eat Saladora chocolates or whatever, you have missed out on life, right? <laughs> if you haven't had one of these, man, you, you haven't lived yet until you've had one of these. Until you go to Sandals in, in the Caribbean, you have not lived until you've been to the Sandals in, in the Caribbean, right? You haven't lived. And you need to spend seven, nine, ten thousand dollars of your family's money to go there. Because if you haven't, you haven't lived yet. My father-in-law made me laugh, and it comes to my mind all the time. Every time I go on vacation, he said, "Do you ever feel like you're in someone else's backyard vacationing?" You know, there's truth to that. That's exactly what you're doing. I'm going to drive all the way across the country, and I'm going to go to someone else's backyard to vacation. It's crazy. And the thing of it 
is, is that we have to have these things. We go and we want these things and, and we keep thinking. And you know, we spend so much time and we limit these things. And what the world wants you to think is you have missed out on something all the time. I didn't have it when I was little, so I'm going to give it to my kids. I think we've messed up sometimes giving too much to our kids. Amen. We're too busy trying to give them and we forget to help them grow up and be people. And, and the idea is this. The past interferes sometimes. Tell me one thing. One thing you can change about your past. You can only change your present, can't you? What I'm doing right now is the only thing I can change. I can't change what I used to do. I can change my present view right now. I can change my direction right now. That's what I can do. I can't go back. Hey, listen, if you said something 10 minutes ago and you thought, man, why did I say that? Can you take it back? No, you already said it. You already did it. It ain't going nowhere. It's already there. And so you can't go backwards. You have to move forward. And, and I want to challenge you in your Christian life. You can't do any of these things. And I want to tell you this. I think we put obstructions in our way by spending too much time in our past. We spend too much time in our past and we put obstructions in our way. We think about what used to be or what I used to have or how bad it was and I just hang out there. And that's not usefulness for God today. God wants to possess you now. He wants you to be busy about his work now. He has something he wants to do with you now. God loves each and every one of you out there. He has a desire for your lives to live for him. He has something that he wants to accomplish in your life. And he wants to use your life to do this. And, and sometimes we're just so busy in our own mind, we can't give our mind space for God. We can't give it up to him. When you're living in your past, you're living like the unsaved folks. You know, if runners of the race continue to look back, what's going to happen to them? How many of you have seen the speeding on TV? Anybody watching it? I watched the guy. Here's what he was doing. I mean, he's speed skating. I mean, he is cruising. See how fast them guys go? I mean, it's like... So when they bring the camera down where you can actually see, you get the idea of how, how fast they're cruising around there. He did this. He looked this way to see where the guy was beside him. You know what he did next? His foot went out from underneath of him, and he went right into the wall. And, and, and listen, the camera caught it. All he did was slightly look to his right. What's he starting to do? I want to look back and see where my competition is. I want to look back. And as he started to turn, what happened? Foot went right out from under him. Because I'm not concentrating on where I'm going. I'm concentrating on what's behind me. And he stumbled. That's what happens to us in our Christian life. We start to look, and then we start to look backwards. Now, let me give you a verse, and you can write this down. Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, And Jesus said unto him, No man having had his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So Paul said, look what? Forward. Don't look backwards. Look ahead. Live in the present. Look ahead. Look where you're going. When you get busy looking behind, you run into trouble a lot of times. Now, as we think about this, too many Christians are stumbling in the present because they're so focused on what happened in the past. Now, in your Bible there, he said forgetting those things. You ought to underline that word forgetting. To forget in this passage is not fail to remember, but it requires that you no longer are influenced or affected by it. That word forgetting means that I'm no longer influenced or affected by it. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that I didn't learn something from it. And it doesn't mean any of those things. It means this, that I'm no longer influenced or affected by it. And I allow it to influence my life and affect me in a negative way. And Paul said you need to forget those things. 
He said, don't let it affect you that way. It does not mean that you didn't learn, and it doesn't mean that uh, you can use it to not repeat a mistake or repeat a sin in your life. It just simply means don't hang out there. (laughs) Don't let it influence everything you're doing. You know, when you get saved, how many of you know in the Bible it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creature. Listen to this. Old things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are become what now? New. new. Now, as a Christian, should I be looking back or looking forward? Forward. I got to look ahead, don't I? It doesn't mean I didn't learn anything. And it doesn't mean that maybe some consequences might not creep up from my past. But I'm not going to spend my life back there. I'm moving ahead. And too many Christians struggle in their Christian life. Listen to me. You struggle because you're too busy living in the past. What did Paul say? Forgetting those things which are behind. That's the one thing. What did he say? This one thing I do. This one thing. I make sure I do this. Because Paul could have rested on his laurels and said, Look, Lord, how much I've done for you already. I don't need to do anything else. And many, many things wouldn't have been accomplished yet. (laughs) Or he could have said, You know, I was there when they stoned Stephen. I'm just useless, so God can't use me. Making it better or worse. And the reality is we need to live in the present. Now think about this. If you're a new creature in Christ, you don't have to live based on the burdens of the past. You can live now in the present with Christ really directing your life. So the second step in living for Christ Jesus is you reset your thinking, reset your heart. Spend some time in prayer. Get alone with God. What are you struggling with that God can help you with that you won't let go of? Casting all of your care upon him for he what? He careth for you. He tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, so we're so busy carrying around a burden we shouldn't even be carrying. And God wants to do something in your life. So take that necessary step and don't let your past influence or affect what you're doing for Christ today that way. Now, the life of a Christian needs to be looking forward to eternity with Christ. He says this in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. One of the praises often given to men is that we were forward thinkers. If you look in history, they're always talking about how we were forward thinkers. And, and, you know, we can become very self-dependent being those forward thinkers. Uh, And I think this goes way beyond that. Thinking and, and lending itself to who Christ is. What's Christ capable of doing in my life? Forgetting those things which are behind does not suggest an impossible feat or you're you're playing this mental or psychological battle with yourself. That's not what he's talking about at all. Sometimes I think we get there that we think that's what it's got to be. And it's not trying to play a game of erasing your past. It happened. It happened. But now am I going to live that way because of it? I think we've taught our society to become a victim of your circumstances, not to be able to go beyond that. And there was a time in our nation where that did not hinder us. We moved forward, didn't we? And so today, sometimes I find so many uh, that are so hindered by the moment, they can't think forward. They can't think forward at all because they're just so hindered today. And, and, And we've done a disservice in a lot of ways. Forgetting those things which are behind does not suggest an impossible feat or a mental or psychological game. I think it simply means that we break the power of the past by living for Christ now and in the future. <laughs> We're going to live for Christ now and in the future. You can break that cycle. That cycle can be broken. How? By allowing God to really possess you and to forget those things which are behind and to reach forth into those things which are before. I can break that cycle. I don't have to live in poverty because my family lived in poverty. 
I don't have to live in alcoholism and drugs because my family lived in alcoholism and drugs. I don't have to live the way they lived. I don't have to do the things they did. I can break the cycle because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen? Amen? I can. Because of who he is, I have an ability to do that. I don't have to live that way. And so we're challenged in this. And you know, folks, it's easy for a church to live in the past, too, on successes and failures. And I think sometimes we create limitations for ourselves when we do that. We're not really living in the present and looking what God can do in the future. We're, we're, we're limiting ourselves because of what might have been or what could have been or what has been. And the reality is, is we need to live in the present saying, what is God doing now? What is he doing right now in this ministry? The church needs to be forward thinking and not living off of the successes of the past or allowing the difficulties of the past to hinder what we're going to do in the future. You know, that really comes down to pride and fear when we do that. It's not really counting on God when you get in that mindset. Even if it's your own personal lives, that is pride and fear that causes those things. He tells us in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before what? Before a fall. If we get too high-minded about who we are, we're going to fall. But the other side of it is, is this. He said in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so God has given us some ability, has he not? And he's given us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love. <laughs> he's given us something different. What is that love? That's a love for Christ Jesus. Amen. He's given us a love that's never-ending. <laughs> that's the love we have. As Christians, are you in the race for Christ or are you in it for yourself? You know, when you apply these seeking God in the present and looking toward the future, it'll strengthen you, it'll mature you, because you're not counting on you, you're counting on Him. And too much of what we do is count on what we have an ability to do. So make sure you're pressing toward the mark. And listen, not just any goal, not just any goal, but a spiritual goal, the right goal. Not just hitting any mark, but hitting the right mark. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about just hitting any mark. He's talking about hitting the right mark. And he's saying, listen, you want to, to be on target. Have some spiritual determination. You say, well, how do you do that? Because I'm depending on Christ, not on myself. And so I have some spiritual determination because of who he is. I think that's what Paul's trying to teach us here. Paul's saying to the church of Philippi, he's saying to those people, listen, have some spiritual determination that you're going to move forward for God. Let God possess you. Forget what happened in the past. Look toward what God's doing right now. Look toward what God wants to do in the future. And listen, don't sit back and think you're stifled and stymied and just stamped out because you don't feel like it. Listen, let God possess you and do what needs to be done in your life. Amen. As I look at this, as we apply ourselves... Some Christians are so busy, though, and they get to the place where they're denying themselves, and they say, well, I just can't run the race. I'm just denying myself for Christ. <laughs> and then you got others. Uh, they they uh, think they got it going on. I don't need to do anything for Christ. I got it all done. <laughs> and what I want to challenge you is don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop reading your Bible. And don't ever stop for looking Christ to strengthen you wherever you are in your Christian life. When you do that, whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, Christ is with you. Because if you're on the mountaintop, I want to promise you one thing. The valley's not too far off sometimes. But do you know, the Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no what? Evil. I want you to know when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, Christ is with you. Amen? He can walk right beside you. So who can lift you out of the valley of death? Christ. 
Who can walk through the valley of death with you? Christ. Well, Christ can. He can help you through it. <laughs> Listen, fear no evil. I can't do that without Christ, can I? I have to have him in the midst of all of that. When I consider this, make sure you're pressing toward the right mark, not just any mark. And that mark is Christ Jesus. So the third step in living for Christ is, listen, just start to reset your thinking. And, 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 and you, you've got to say, okay, what does the Bible teach me? Well, it tells me to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. Created me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. What kind of spirit are we talking about? Well, one where Christ possesses me, I'm living for him daily. I'm letting go of my past. I'm not hanging on to that. That's not helping me. And, and I'm pressing on. I, I, I'm looking forward. What is God doing? And I'm going to look toward that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.